Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Achtung, achtung. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray and James Holland. And of course, James Holland. Um, and well, what are we what are we going to talk about today, Jim? Because I mean, we're approaching our 500th episode. Um, this show is anniversary laden. It always is. There's always I mean, this is the, the great thing about the Second World War. Six years overlaid of anniversaries all happening all at once. So what are we what are we going to talk about? Because. Well, um, I think it actually is our 500th one today, isn't it? Uh, um, I think it's, something it's on like a very that. special day because it's coming out on the. We're recording it on a Thursday, but this is going to be for Monday, the 15th of August, which, as anyone who's a Catholic will know, is the feast day of Santa Maria. Um, and it is also one of the most important feast days in the Maltese calendar, still is to this very day. Uh, and it is also the day that marks the arrival of the uh, oil tanker, the Ohio, limping into Grand Harbour in the early hours of the morning, about 7.30, something like that in the morning. And so, obviously, um, we are talking to our good friend of the show, Professor Timmy Gambine, all the way from Malta, who is, you know, one of the legendary marine archaeologists in the world today. Um, and I think it's fair to say, Timmy, you're, you're pretty obsessed with all this stuff, aren't you? I am very obsessed. I think uh, obsessed beyond reason would be a good way to, uh, to describe it. And, and well, what, we like what, obsession on this show. Uh, what, why? Why? What? What? What drew you to the subject? Why? Why are you obsessed beyond reason, Timmy? Uh, okay, the, the simple answer uh, I give is: you know, if you look around the, the island of Malta, where, where I was born and, uh, and and brought up. We're surrounded by 7,000 years of, of history. And I always asked myself the question whether that uh, these 7,000 years of history are also reflected on the seabed. So that really got me to, uh, to, to, to sort of into, into the subject of marine archaeology. But ever since uh, I was a kid, I've been a World War II freak. I, I did, you know, I made the models airfix, one, one is to 72. I wargamed, we had a big war, uh, wargaming table. I have to conf- confess that I was uh, on the German side, so I had all the <laughs> Panzers and Tiger tanks. And, uh, anyway, so uh, in a way, this uh, enabled this, the, 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 the the work I do now enables me to to marry my passion for World War Two with uh, the experience that I've garnered in uh, in marine archaeology. And and just ex- explain to us, Timmy. What, what I mean, I've been over to to Malta so many times on various um, landmark anniversaries, but this is the 80th anniversary of, of of Operation Pedestal. And you know, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to Malta? I mean, you know, it's a long time now. It's 80 years. That's that's a pinprick in time in in one way, but it's um, you know, it's quite a long time in another, depending on which way you look at it. I mean, it's, it's a long um, time be- because every year uh, the, the participants get fewer and fewer. This is this is a reality that uh, that, that that we all see. If you go to the D-Day commemorations, uh, whichever commemorations re- related to World War Two, up until twenty years ago, numerous you know large groups of uh, of people used to come through uh, via the George Cross uh, Society. These are becoming fewer and fewer. However, however, it is still uh, commemorated every year with a lovely service uh, on, on the waterfront in, in Valletta. I just thankfully thank, thanking the organisers. I received my 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 invitation. It's a solemn occasion with uh, quite a few local and uh, and uh, diplomatic dignitaries that are invited. So there still is a lot of importance associated with uh, with this event and of course it coincides as uh, with with this big feast of uh, of santa maria we don't really have feast days in this in you know in the uk we're sort of protestants and and a bit more doer about our, our religious ceremonies <laughs> i mean obviously we have easter and christmas and whatnot but but you, you know these feasts i mean i've been on malta when feasts have gone off there's fireworks and there's pageants and you know marches through the street as well as all the church services and everyone has a good time but they're, they're a big deal aren't they but but the santa maria is the biggest of the year is that right 
Santa Maria is the biggest feast, I think, besides Easter in, in, in the Catholic world. It, it's celebrated throughout the Catholic world. In Malta, there are numerous churches dedicated to, uh, to Santa Maria, so fireworks will be going, uh, going off across the island, both in Malta and in Gozo. Let's not forget the Cathedral of mm. Gozo is... Uh, dedicated to Santa Maria. And Gozo had a, had, a, had a role to play in this story too with regard to saving uh, its sister island from, uh, from starvation, but we can get, get to that later. Uh, so this, this massive feast celebrated throughout Malta and uh, Malta being very much a Catholic country, 1940s were still, you know, uh, very much uh, believers in the sense that in the present day, People going to church has gone. Uh, have, the amount of people of congregations has gone down. So this was a time when when the people still believed that you can even see black and white footage of uh, Maltese people praying in the uh, in the rock cut shelters. Any uh, any first hand account of the British, nearly every single one describes how the locals prayed. So so there was this belief that God was on the side of the Maltese and the Allies. Uh, and I know we're starting at, at the end of the story, but the fact that SS Ohio comes in on the 15th is, is, is too much, and it's believed to be a, a, a miracle that saved, that saved the island. Which, I mean, it's completely understandable that that, that that would appear to be the case. I mean, it's, it's, it's too I mean, good you, to be you know, true, isn't it? You literally couldn't make it up, could you? You yeah, couldn't exactly. make it up. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 couldn't, and uh, it wasn't made up because uh, <laughs> if if we go if we go to the beginning, I mean, this is a massive, massive, massive effort, and to let's say to contextualize this for for your listeners, some historians uh, have kind of downplayed the role of Malta and the effort Churchill poured into Malta, yeah. saying this. With or without Malta, uh, sort of the war would have uh, taken the same the same course. I, I, it's an argument I find hard to believe. Not because I'm Maltese, because it's it's it starts on the wrong premise. But you know, when you look at a force that had two battleships, uh, four aircraft, four or five aircraft carriers, anti-aircraft cruisers, you know, literally dozens and dozens of ships, mm. who in in their right mind would dedicate such a force to saving an island 17 miles by eight? That's the question I would pose to these who kind of downplay the role. It, if, if the role wasn't so important, why would the Allies invest at a time when resources aren't that, that easy to come by to put all this into the effort to, to save Malta? But you only have to look at where Malta is. It's self, it's, it, you know, the, as, a, as a location in the Mediterranean, it, it, it's it's so crucially important in where it in where it is that of course you've of course you've got to defend it and and of course actually you've you've got to do better than defend it you've got to make it safe and use it as a as an offense a place of offense as well because after all we talk about we talk about all the British shipping sunk on the way to and from Malta but but the the shipping sunk from Malta you've got two hundred twenty thousand long tons of Axis shipping at least being sunk by subs based in Malta. So, so you know, it, it, it's it's not just the defence of the place. It's been using it as an offensive platform that's central to, central to the Mediterranean war effort, right? Also, also not just the ships sunk on the way, but the delays in ships uh, yeah. sailing between Italy and North Africa because they had to take all these detours via yeah. via the east by the Aegean and so on. Yeah. The Eastern Mediterranean, sorry. Uh, and also Malta being used as a base to attack because let's not forget that it wasn't the end of the journey for Axis shipping to arrive in Libya. Then there was, I don't know how many thousands of uh, kilometers or 1,000 plus kilometers to take those supplies off the ship and to Rommel's troops on the front yeah. line, yeah. and it was, you know, some some uh, some of the attacks were were launched from air bases here to harass those uh, those those supply lines. So yeah. absolutely, I'm with you on this. I'm not trying to convince you that <laughs> that this convoy should have or should not have been sent. If it wasn't, maybe I wouldn't be here to to be discussing this with you. <laughs> uh, well, I think I, you know, I. I think the moment that, that the Allies are involved in the Mediterranean campaign, then Malta becomes the key bit of real estate in the whole 
whole thing, you know. And as you say, Alex, it's, it's bang smack in the middle. It's sixty miles south of of Sicily. Yeah, it's 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 nine hundred miles from Gibraltar and or eight hundred miles from Gibraltar, nine hundred miles from from Alexandria. I can't remember, can't remember which one, but it's basically round Half bam way. in the middle of yeah. of yeah. two British assets. Yeah. You know, two key ports, Gibraltar and Alexandria. It's halfway, uh, and you know, it is barring the route. And this is the key thing. And this is what our, our, our good friend Steve Prince always said to me. I remember saying to me, you know, he said, you've got to consider this is, this is a plus one, minus one. So, so you are, you are, not only are you denying it to the enemy, you are also gaining the benefits of holding it yourself. And yeah. the, the converse is true if you lose it. So it's not, it's not just a question of just losing it. It's also the gain it makes to the enemy if if the enemy takes it and that yeah. is why Malta is so absolutely vital to the whole thing and you really can see in the, in that you know in the Benghazi stakes and all the rest of it the kind of toing and froing and back and across yeah. across um North Africa and Libya and Egypt um up until the kind of autumn of 1942 you can really see the rise and fall of allies fortunes as an offensive base in chime with the fortunes of the allies in North Africa yeah. so when Malta is doing well you know a absolute classic example the second half of 1941 you know where force K is ravaging um, access supply lines, you know, sinking, you know, I think all 12 merchant vessels and set five out of six destroyers escorting them in November 1941. 77% of all access shipping being destroyed and sunk um, in between September and November 1941. And, And then that is followed by um, or, you know, Operation Crusader, which is, you know, broadly a victory for the, for the British. And, you know, and so it goes on. And when, when, um, Malta is being absolutely pummeled in the spring of 1942, then immediately after that, Rommel launches his offensive and it goes, it goes well for the Axis and badly for the British. So yeah. you, you can see it chiming. And this is why in the summer of 1942, when Britain has, uh, the Allies have just suffered this catastrophic defeat, the loss of Tobruk, you know, 8th Army retreating back to the Alamein line, just sort of 60 miles from from yeah. Alexandria, tails between their legs. Why Malta and the future of Malta is so absolutely vital to the whole thing? Because if Malta can be saved, then it can be used as an offensive base once more. Yeah. If it can be used as an offensive base once more, then it can harass Rommel's attempts to build up for his final, you know, his final and what he hopes will be his decisive attack, which ultimately ends up being the Battle of Alam Halfa, launched on the 31st of August 1942. And so it's absolutely crucial in this month that Malta is saved. And as we know, the miracle happens, um, and it happens on with the Ohio inching through the breakwaters of harbor on the morning of the uh, of the, the feast day of santa maria god clearly was on the ally side um and, and the rest as they say is history you know the six fuel tankers that rommel needs they'll get sunk um you, you know alam halfer's disaster he gets thrashed at alamein um uh, and and you know in may 1943 the north african shores are in allied hands and end so, of story. Jay, job done. You, you've 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 explained the the, the broader you know uh, you've explained the story on a very strategic sort of uh, broader level. But whilst all this is happening, there is a real crisis on the island in in, in the sense that people cannot put food on their plates. Uh, there is no fuel to drive the pilots from their billets to the airfield. Uh, because there's no food, uh, then the pilots are also getting the, the infamous Malta dog, you know, because of uh, malnutrition and so on. So there is a, a, a very, if you want to call it, an existential crisis on, on the island. And let us not forget that uh, pre-war, there was a, 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 a stratum of Maltese society who were pro-Italian. So the, 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 the Allies always, you know, had had that in the corner of, of their mind that could there be a, 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 a subversion of the population sort of saying, listen, we're suffering too much for the Allies. Why don't we turn, you know, turn, turn towards the, the, the people who seemed to be winning at that time? So there was this, this crucial balance to be, to, to, to be kept. How much to squeeze... Uh, how much food to 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 negate the population and and the defenders? So negate is perhaps uh, gives the wrong connotation, but th- these were decisions that had to be taken. And to come back to Gozo, um, at one point the, the the British governor convinces the the bishop of Gozo to release 
grain, uh, grain, grain that is stored in order to to alleviate the uh, the starvation. But uh, it's it's not uncommon. So uh, when 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 uh, my kids were 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 in school, they were asked to do a project on. Uh, World War II, and uh, my younger son interviewed my mother, who was who was still alive at the, at the time, and and this is a recurring theme. And one of the main things that people remember about the war, people when they were kids, was the hunger. I've heard stories of you know families having opening a, a can of corned beef, and in those days. You know, when we say we were Catholic, we were very Catholic. Eight children, you know. So this would be ten people slicing a, 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 a tin of corned beef, you know, between between ten children. Never, you know, seeing a banana would be something that uh, is literally out of this world. And slicing it and sharing it between between the entire family. These are sort of real and documented scenarios which uh, the island was facing in uh, in forty two. Well, so so to talk about the, the the legacy in in Malta itself, stories like that must must have created a very powerful sense of Maltese identity and shared shared suffering and uh, uh, shared experience. Yes. Absolutely, and and the British were very, very, very clever in recognizing it because the king visits in the middle of the war. The king turns up in Mozambique. Yeah. Thousands of people turn up in the streets. So, this, if there was any doubt as to where the allegiance of the islanders, you know, World War Two secures it. We have yeah. the language question. So, uh, up until the early 20th century, Italian was the official language of, of Malta for the court. You know, you have circumstances yeah. where a British uh, serviceman uh, take, does a, 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 a civilian crime is taken up to court in, in Malta in the 1920s and the court case is in Italian. This guy is so totally dependent on his Maltese lawyer. So there was still very much that Italian influence. I think World yeah. War II completely swings it uh, in favor in favor of the Allies. So um, the King visits and then Churchill visits and and Roosevelt vi- visits as well. So this is between 42 and, and 43, I, I, I believe. So... It 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 gives us uh, it forms very much uh, part of our of, of our identity, and if you are in any doubt, look what flies every day proudly <laughs> on our flag. Yeah, you know, we we are the we are known as the George Cross Island, and yeah. that was given to the people of Malta. You know, to to every single individual, not just the fighters, so even to 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 the population. I think in recognition. Uh, of all the suffering that they that they did go through. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's it really is incredible because of course up until early part of 1942 Malta has been repeatedly attacked by by the air. I mean as early as the 11th of June the day after Italy enters the war 1940. Um but but obviously it builds up to a massive crescendo in the early part of 1942 when the Luftwaffe arrives once again for the second time on Sicily and and the plan is to completely render um, Malta absolutely useless as an offensive base. I mean, it is absolutely to kind of sort of smash it into the sea. They, they, are, they, are, they, are, they are nearly successful because the 10th flotilla is asked to leave. The, 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 the airfields yes. are, are put beyond, beyond use. The, one of the first, uh, consi- or the first consignment of Spitfires is shot up before they have time to take off again. I mean, yeah. the situation is dire. It's absolutely dire. And, and just remember that the Maltese people have to go through that. And you know, the number of bombs that, that, is, that falls on Malta in this time is similar to the amount that's dropped in, on London in the entire Blitz. And, you know, you think how small Malta is. It, it is absolutely incredible. It's, it's completely relentless. It's throughout the night. It's throughout the day. You know, every two minutes people are going into these shelters. People, are, you know, homes are bombed out. Um, they're completely destroyed. They're having to not just go into shelters, but actually live in the rock like kind of troglodytes. It's, it's a fetid, dank, disease-ridden, horrible existence. And then comes the hunger. So, so the air raids lessen. Um, the RAF and, and, you know, Al, we can talk about this at another time, but, but, but you know, the RAF w- win in the air in, the, in sort of, you know, May and June, July 1942. But it doesn't alleviate the hunger. And, and obviously it just gets worse and worse and worse. And, you know, there's intense rationing. 
Um, it's 10.5 grams of bread per day per person, uh, which is rarely being met, incidentally, and that's uh, further, further, further lowered later on in the summer. You know, uh, an adult is lucky to get 1,500 calories. But, well, even even some of that bread, some of that bread would be contaminated, exactly. for example, you know, mixed with diesel or oil because it was lifted from a same exactly ship, for example. And so even some of some of what was being distributed. Yeah, and I remember I remember inedible. talking to John Ajuse, who was a, a great man who lived through the, uh, who became a great friend of mine, and who 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 lived, you know, was working for as a RF clerk. Um, in, in what was then Scott Street in Valletta every day. Uh, and I remember him arriving back with some bread and, you know, absolutely it all just tasted of petrol. I mean, it was just absolutely revolting. I mean, they, they could eat it just, but it was, you know, by any normal standards, it would be con- considered completely inedible. Um, and of course, it was just accumulative because what happens is, is you know, the, the, they run out of coal, so there's no power station. So then they're dependent on, on kerosene. The kerosene then runs out. So there's, you know, there's absolutely nothing. Um, trucks there's no means of getting trucks out from a to b so there's no means of transporting stuff but what was really interesting was some years ago i um um i remember talking to simon cousins who's a great sort of amateur historian on, on malta and a, and a great collector and he picked up a whole load of documents from the chief medical officer of malta um at a flea market in malta some some years ago and these were incredibly revealing because they showed that that um um, the situation was even worse than, than many people had anticipated. You know, and they were saying things like, whatever you do, don't flush the toilet. You know, this is a waste of water. You know, wash bandages and, and, and use them again at the hospitals. Um, you, you know, don't wash your hands. I mean, these are the absolute basics of, of hygiene. And these were being kind of saying, you know, whatever you, you don't do that. Things got so bad that they started using human feces uh, uh, as fertilizer and it completely backfired. There was a typhoid outbreak and 99 people died as a result, you know, already weakened because they were so hungry. You know, so, you know, this is not some lightweight siege. You know, this, this is proper old school medieval style siege and it's utterly brutal. I mean, really, really brutal. Uh, and when when uh, um, General um, Alan Brooke visits on the second of August and has a has a you know on his way through to um, on his way through to Cairo, and talks to Lord Gort, who by that point is the governor, um, Gort has been trying to give a sort of slightly upbeat message to it, and Alan Brooke is utterly shocked by what he sees. James, we're talking about food rationing, but let's let's remind our listeners that even ammunition was being rationed. Anti-aircraft, the anti-aircraft gunners were being told you can't fire more than X amount of shells per air raid. So not only are you hungry, but you can't defend yourself either. It, 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 it was, to, to, to use the word again, you know, pretty dire, not just from a food point of view, fuel, but also ammunition was extremely, extremely limited. Um, did the, did yeah, the, I know, it's terrible. Did the people of Malta, um, because after all, you, you're talking about Gort talking to Allenbrook and then their appraisal of what's going on. Does, does how bad things are, you know, strategically and tactically communicate itself to the populate to all the ordinary Maltese, or are they are they not really in the know as to how dire things are? That's a that's a that's a really good question, and one of the incredible things about the the story of Malta and World War Two is that the Times of Malta, which is still published to this day kept on pub, uh, issuing a, uh, well, it, you know, in the war it, it, it gets uh, fettled down to, I don't know. It's four pages, three, isn't it? Four yeah. pages. But uh, the Times of Malta does keep the, uh, the population informed, obviously with a, a, a massive dose of bias you know, yeah. in favour of the Allies because its editor and owner, Mabel Strickland, was a, was a massive uh, Anglophile. Uh, and there is what is called the Red Diffusion, it's a kind of cable radio, which 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 was was in, in you know many households uh, and people who didn't have a Red. And diffusion. it was in public squares and things, wasn't it? So like so that. so uh, they 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 would listen to news and and they they knew that I I honestly believe that the population knew that they were sort of uh, destined to play an important role or they were in fact playing an important role in destiny, kind of in the destiny of the war, so to speak. So I think that, yes, they were were very, very, very much uh, aware. Because after all, the the Ohio's arrival 
on on August the fifteenth is is tri- you know people sing in the streets, don't they? A crowd turns out, a bugle's played, people stand in silence. That there's this moment of this uh, clearly of of great deliverance and of significance and religious significance as, as well. And people obviously know that they really need need this fuel tanker to have to have made it in made it into it's, harbour. You know the fuel tanker, the food that's delivered, the ammunition, uh, ev- everything is 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 it's, it is literally not just being delivered. It's deliverance that is being yeah. delivered. Sorry, you know, because uh, it's people are lining the uh, the 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 seventeenth and eighteenth century fortifications to welcome uh, welcome the uh, the Ohio. Yeah, and the Ohio does have this. I you know there is that iconic photo of it limping, uh, helped by two two other ships. But let's not forget all the other warships that uh, either didn't make it to, to Malta and were lost on the way, and there were yeah. quite a few. Um, probably around 500 uh, people lost their lives in the short uh, distance between Gibraltar and, and Malta. And also many of the merchant ships that didn't, didn't, uh, didn't make it. So um, Ohio and the other, the other vessels, you know, were, delivered deliverance for, for the island and, and the islanders. Um, now, Timmy, as a as an archaeologist, um, what 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 evidence is there? Because James has talked on the podcast about about, about rel- aircraft relics and bits and pieces o- o- on the island. But as a marine archaeologist, is is Malta surrounded by crashed Junkers and Messerschmitts and Spitfires and or uh, what 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 does the ocean hold? Uh. So the last time we counted, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, had, a, I had a PhD student, uh, Tony Burgess, who, who now uh, graduated, so he's a colleague uh, and a friend. Uh, and one of the things that we did was we went through various records and we started and we compiled. Well, he compiled and, 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 and I helped. Uh, there are anything up to a thousand aircraft lost in the waters around Malta. Now, when we say in the waters around Malta, think of it in, in its broadest sense, anything yeah. between southern Sicily and North Africa. Okay. Um, I think I think James promised that we would bring this up in, a, in, a, in another episode. Why? Not so I can be invited again, but because there's so <laughs> much to talk about. We're the only nation in the world that has aircraft from four different... Uh, so there are German planes, Italian planes, American and British. Wow. Then, so, so all present within, within our waters. Besides that, the whole plethora of uh, nationalities, South African, Polish, British, New Zealand, Australian, you know, either were shot down and died of Malta or survived and went on to, to, to fight elsewhere. So the simple answer is yes, our, our seas are full of, uh, of these remains. But whilst we're talking about wrecks, this convoy that we're discussing, Operation Pedestal, did leave quite a trace of remains along the route. Yeah. Not just of Allied ships. Let's not forget that at least two submarines, two enemy submarines, Axis submarines were lost. One, uh, one U-boat and one, uh, one Italian. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the U-boat was rammed, uh, rammed by the uh, Wolverine. Um, and the, one of my favourite destroyers of the war, incidentally. Yes, this is the, uh, this, this, this is the ship that carries. Um, um, oh gosh, it's the name's moment already gone out of my head. Uh, Bill Tennant out to um, out to Dunkirk to take over as senior naval officer yeah. at Dunkirk on the yeah. uh, earlier that, well in the afternoon of Monday the twenty seventh of May nineteen forty. So there you but go. But one of the one of the major losses. Uh, in Operation Pedestal is, you know, we, the only two, the, the vast majority of aircraft carriers lost in World War II were lost in the Pacific. Yeah. Uh, two were lost in the Mediterranean. HMS Ark Royal, which was uh, discovered and filmed and, and uh, you know, I think there was a documentary made, made about it. But uh, very few people know that the, the second aircraft carrier to be lost in the Mediterranean, HMS Eagle, which I believe, I stand to be corrected, is the first aircraft carrier ever, ever built by, by the British or, or a vessel converted into an aircraft carrier. I believe it was the hull of a battleship origin. Yes, a, a, uh, yeah, a Chilean, a Ch- it was a Chilean battleship. 
the Almirante. It was an Almirante Latour class battleship the British were building for, for for the Chileans, and then said, "No, actually, we're going to keep that and turn it into an aircraft carrier." Exactly, and 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 again, I stand to be corrected, but I think it was one of the let's say one of the first yeah. aircraft carriers. So this is from a technological and historical point of view. This is hugely important because we all know the impact of aircraft carriers on modern on modern warfare. You know, adding yep. adding the third dimension to, to to naval warfare and so on. So, so to 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 be able to yes, we have the plans, etc. But th- th- there are other stories to be told. You know, what what is its current state of uh, of preservation? Um, it's a war grave for quite you know quite a number of uh, of Allied uh, seafarers. So. It's it's it would be nice to understand what state of preservation, uh, how it lies, where the torpedoes hit, whether that matches the uh, the description of uh, of of the survivors. It's in deep waters, but uh, this fixation that I have, that I said, is beyond reason. I've I've already done my research and I've narrowed down the uh, the search the search area to. Uh, to a needle in a haystack rather than a needle in a, in a barn, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some there's some other big ships, of course. There's uh, HMS Manchester as well, you yeah. Know, which 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 was which was scuttled, um, having been hit by a couple of torpedoes, and um, you know, so there's and that very and then very controversially, you know, actually. Yes, uh, the scuttling of the Manchester was was uh, you know quite a quite a controversial decision, I believe. Yes, the, the captain was court-martialed, wasn't he? Um, uh, got into all sorts of trouble for it, um, and some and some of his officers as well. So it wasn't just him. The the the, the entire commanding uh, uh, Carter got got into got in real trouble for that. Um, so, yeah, so, I think they were. I mean, I, I think that to be honest, I think that was a total stitch up. I mean, because what you have to understand is when your when your engines are knocked out, it's not just it's just not your means of of being able to to move forward or reverse that's the, that's at stake. Your whole electricity supply is cut off. You know your uh, you, you know your guns don't work properly. You know you all can't, sorts of things you don't can't work. get ammunition can't and shells from from the depths from the guts of the ship up into the turrets because your no, your, exactly. your electric lifts are are, are gone. Yeah. All that. But so it just doesn't. It's 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 just a. It's it's completely useless. If you if you can't fire and can't do achieve anything, then it's not, you know. And the bottom line is, it's just sitting there as a sitting duck, yeah. and there's no means of getting it back. The year before, it had been badly damaged, and um, they had managed to get it back to Gibraltar successfully. But they get you know they spend kind of well over an hour trying to get this thing up and running, and it's just absolutely shot to pieces. I mean, it's just they all make the re- realize it's not going to happen, um, and so. They call the decision. To, they make the decision to abandon ship and then scuttle it. But yeah. I can't really see what else they could have done, to be honest. Yeah. HMS HMS Nigeria was lost with, uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I believe, uh, over 50, 50 people uh, um, lost lost their lives. Indomitable, victorious Cairo, Foresight, Kenya, Ledbury. So those, you know, it's quite a long list of ships in one mission in in in, in just a few days. Yeah. And uh, and, when, and then you got all the merchant vessels that were lost, of course, which was the uh, merchant uh, which merchant was, vessels by Rama, Clan Ferguson, Glenorchy, you know. But just reading the report, okay, so at 21, to, uh, to, at 0247 on the 11th, uh, Coldsfoot screening force uh, stacked, uh, attacked as the contact. At 04445, uh, fueling uh, commenced, and then uh, 38 Spitfires for Malta were flown off furious. Eagle torpedoed at 11.15 on the 11th. At 2 o'clock, um, three destroyed. It's, it's, it's con- constant, constant action from the 11th to when it arrives on the 15th. What yeah. you know, the the list of ships we mentioned, we we, we were firing off. The, uh, the 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 amount of people lost. We need to put this into into a kind of uh, temporal context. All this is happening in three days. Yeah, yeah, it's quite it's, extraordinary. It it is. Uh, I mean. Except for you know the Battle of Matapan, where I believe three Italian ships, but 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 the 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 the, the, uh, the number of lives lost is much larger, much larger than this. In a way, the size of of, of the force of Operation Pedestal um, 
saved lives because there were so many uh, other vessels that can that could went and picked up the uh, the survivors so for example the jaunty uh, which was a tug in the middle of all these capital ships you had you had a tug jaunty that was and it went and and, and picked up uh, numerous survivors from uh, from the eagle for example uh, but I, I still believe uh, that I have yet to come across such a such an intensive uh, battle at sea over such a short period of, uh, of, 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 of time. We need to take a break right now. We'll be back in a second. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kaye, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray and James Holland. And we're talking to Timmy Gambine about Malta. Timmy, one thing is is the fate of the Ohio. So it, it comes in, it, it's, it's barely able to kind of, it's barely floating. It's kind of sort of inches before the water is kind of brushing over the, over the decks. So it actually does make it into, into, into um in, into Grand Harbour. It's got this huge gash in the side, its rudder's bent, its engines are dead, you know, it's all over the place. It's it's obviously never gonna see action again. It it's it's missing it's missing alcohol and stores because when when they when they were thinking about abandoning it, some crew members actually from other <laughs> ships jumped on board and stole the booze and other supplies. So they, no 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 there there are accounts of, of, of moments of chaos in this yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. operation yes, yes. operation. Well there's a moment where they abandon ship, isn't it? And they yeah, exactly. But, and but, that was but, when when some people saw the opportunity to go and to go and raid. But but anyway, sorry, I digress. But to, but 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 but, but it, it's reached Malta on the fifteenth of August. It, you know, everyone's cheering, hooray! You know, people are waving flags, the bands are playing. Malta's been saved. But then what happens to it? It gets unloaded. You know, all the yes. fuel is siphoned off. That's great. She's, then what happens to it? She's semi uh, refloated uh, and. Uh, docked in a in a bay called Rinella, and I I will dig up uh, in this crazy research that 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 we've done. I will dig up a photograph. She was used as a uh, a billet for I think Yugoslav troops. I, I again I stand to be corrected, but and I do have a black and white photo of these troops jumping off and swimming. She was basically like a a kind of holding holiday resort, so to speak, for. <laughs> For for the, the the last year, I think forty five, and then in nineteen forty six, she was taken out in two pieces. The forward section was taken out uh, towards the southeast of the island and uh, uh, gunned. So so I think they, they, she was used as target practice and then sunk. 
and the uh, and I'll dig up this photo. I have a photo of uh, Hull being sunk outside outside the Grand the Grand Harbor. We well, I'd love we to see do that. have a project. Wow. We do have a project to uh, in now in this eightieth eightieth anniversary uh, to go out and and find and find this uh, the the stern part of her, her hull obviously completely stripped but you cannot stri- you can strip the the brass propellers the guns but you can't strip the soul of a ship you know no. that her story is 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 very much very much with her so so that is why we want to we we want to go and and, and So at the moment her. no one's ever dived on it no one's ever dived uh, on it right? not uh, not to to the best of my knowledge no no the, the problem is this, okay, that after the war, the British, all the way up to the late uh, 1950s, there, there are so many hulks in uh, and twisted pieces of, uh, of hulls and, you know, whole hulks and so on that are littering the harbour. Uh, that a series of projects are made. First of all, there's the UXO. Uh, our sea, the seabed in the harbour is full of mud. So, so if, a, if a bomb doesn't explode it it's going to penetrate the mud when i when we excavate in the harbor for all the stuff we always sort of uh, in our in our uh, risk analysis mention this possibility of 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 un- unexploded ordnance so we tell our students or our participants you know if you see something like this basically that's a 500 kilo bomb don't continue excavating no? uh, it's it's not it's not uh, it's not a an artifact you know worth worth uh, losing your 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 life for so there's there was uxo a big project for uxo to be cleared from the harbors and then systematically these hulks were now a lot of them were taken out and um scuttled in a in a particular area so there are literally dozens of pieces of hulls and one third of a submarine, the 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 the, the hulk uh, emptied hulk of a destroyer, for example. There are literally uh, bits and pieces of Italian U-boats which were surrendered to Malt and then cut up and thrown up. So we have to make our way through all of these until we can say this is uh, wow. the, the, the the stern of the of the of the Ohio, and this is That's all amazing. all apart from the wrecks that were sunk by enemy action what well, these yeah. these were scuttled then we have the scuttling of which uh, you know the hms stubborn uh, the p39 to train anti-submarine yeah. pilots on etc etc but the, these are all concentrated within within uh, within a, a a very limited area wow and are they they're, are they they're all marked they're all marked with boys are they and everything so you know where they no, are no 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 we know oh, where they God. are because because uh, I spend for my sins I spend many many days uh, out at sea and, and next time you guys are in Malta I will take I'll, I'll I'll take you out with our sonar uh, and we are you know systematically mapping the uh, the seabed around around our our islands um, and. Uh, systematically marking the now when when we can we can verify so 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 we know HMS where HMS Russell went down we found her documented her etc HMS Russell is World War One so I, I, again I, I I digress but so slowly but surely we're 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 mapping all of these out but there's so much so much uh, and anything from Sop with camels that fell into the sea in the 1920s, you know, uh, which were based here, uh, because we were because we were a British colony. So anything coming out, any military or naval technology that is coming out of Britain comes to Malta nearly immediately. So we have our first, you know, flights which are very early. Some things like the Brennan torpedo uh, are installed in in Malta, um, and. We have everything from these very early planes to stuff from uh, from from the Cold War, right, okay, wow. with obviously two peaks, two peaks in World yeah. War One and a yeah. massive peak in World War Two. How extraordinary! Incredible, incredible. And do you think so? So do you think bits a part of the Ohio might be researched and Not, discovered? No, no, no. And- ab- ab- absolutely. It's. it's uh, I won't. I won't rest until we 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 dive and <laughs> we can. Sp- uh, so far, we've done two dives, thinking it was the Ohio. So we have the Ohio one and the Ohio two. 
<laughs> so hopefully it's third time lucky and we'll get the Ohio. And yeah, that's so, fine. Say, say, Timmy, you you were to want to dive on the on the eagle and locate locate the eagle and film it and all that sort of thing. How would you put? I was a pro- just going to say that. How do you put a project? Like, how do you put a project like that together? I mean, do, okay. would, would you do you need a submarine? Do you, do you use drones? How do you do all this sort of stuff? I, I have everything ready. The first thing you need <laughs> are three mad people discussing it on a podcast and putting that podcast. <laughs> Cost to out the public, so there may be a producer out there or a billionaire out there who who wants to, you know, who has who shares our passion and our dream. So the three, that's the first step is established. The three of us are together, and we have this uh, this dream. It's actually, um, you know, the technology is there. Yeah, uh, we would need a uh, an automated uh, underwater vehicle. Yeah. I, I have one, but mine is rated only to one thousand meters. Where the eagle is is somewhere between two and three thousand meters. So, wow. so, but automated under underwater vehicles do exist for those depths. This is a That's incredibly that, deep. I didn't realize the Mediterranean was that deep. Uh, and the Battle of Matapan is in the deepest part of the Mediterranean. Oh. It's 4,000 meters deep. But anyway, oh, that, that's it. So uh, we would need a research vessel, uh, that uh, uh, an automated underwater vehicle which has a side scan sonar on it. We, we would plot, plot a what we call a lawnmower pattern uh, around the area where we believe the, uh, the eagle is. Obviously, I would explain the rationale to you two and to the producer, the, 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 the fictional producer, uh, <laughs> why we're looking here. And, and, and I would present the historical evidence which I have uh, accumulated over, over the past... Uh, he holds over the up past, sheets and sheets yeah, of paper. Okay, okay. Yes. So, so it's, it's all here and, and here. Um, then on the basis of the targets that, uh, that we would uh, come up with, you know, we could... An aircraft carrier is pretty distinct. I mean, I, I would be, you know, we, we know the length. I mean, with, 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 with the kind of sonar that we're using uh, at this point, I, I'm pretty confident that if we have a target, we'd be able to say, listen, you know, with, with the software that we use, we'd be able to measure, compare, compare that to, to the length of the eagle, etc. Um, and then once we, we, we have the target, we would proceed with an ROV, a remotely operated vehicle, which is obviously, you know, can withstand the pressures of, 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 of two or three, two to three thousand meters, which do exist. We're not talking sort of, uh, you know, fantasy 20 years time. These things, uh, the projects done by, by Vulcan, you know, uh, pushed by Paul yep. Allen, yep. who's actually his, uh, mm. his, his dream was to find every single uh, aircraft carrier lost in World War Two. They were busy, uh, you know. Uh, uh, they were busy in in the Pacific, ticking all those boxes. And unfortunately, uh, yeah, he's passed away, hasn't he's he? Since passed away, and with him, his 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 legacy of of looking for and discovering these ships. So so the technology is there, and not just not just him and 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 his former vessel. So uh, it we would have to choose the time of year. So that would probably be July because we'd get long stretches of uh, of good weather. Um, it's not as detrimental as I don't know. For example, the, the the search for the hood, where you have very small weather windows of Iceland, be it winter mm. or, or summer. You know, winter is impossible. Summer is like uh, worse than our winter here. But um, so so the technology is there. It would probably take us. I would say 14, 14 days. Now, if we're lucky, I have other research which you know we can go and look for. For we can go and look for the submarine sunk by Wolverine because if Wolverine is your, one of your favorite ships of the war, how how cool would it be to to you know this was an incredible action. She she saw a submarine which was a threat to the rest of the convoy. The captain had no hesitation. You know, rammed her amidships just just behind the conning tower at 26 knots. You're talking about yeah. 35, 40 kilometers an hour. Crazy, yeah. you know, yeah. but anything to, to, to get the convoy home. So if we could convince the fictional producer to spread it to three weeks, we could go and look for other stuff. Of course, in the meantime, planes have fallen off the eagle. Planes are falling out of the sky that are attacking the, uh, the, um, the, the, the convoy. We have, 
the uh, the lists, you know, sort of uh, literally blow by blow the account, you know, Tartan lookout attacked contact. Uh, foresight hit by aircraft torpedo and we have the approximate position for example so everything's been been prepared i think it would be just amazing i would just cut out the bit from scotland to gibraltar yeah i wouldn't do that part first of all nothing was lost secondly it's a bit gray and uncomfortable i would meet you guys in gibraltar i would meet you guys in gibraltar with right, okay. are you fine with that Al? Listen, do you like it uh, I'm I'm signed up. You know where, where do I sign? I, I, seriously, I'm I'm, I'm all let's over see, like a rat. Let's see. Let's but, see. But but seriously, how much money would you need to ra- would one need to raise to 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 get get this off the ground? I mean, are we talking millions? Are we talking a couple hundred thousand? I mean, what, couple of I couple no of hundred, couple of couple of hundred thousand. You know, we're we're uh, we're looking at something like anything between fifty and seventy five thousand. A day, right? With top top of the range equipment, and then it it depends because if you you know partner partner up with a, a an institution that has either the vessel or some of the equipment, then your your costs come 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 down because. Uh, there are other elements. I mean, yes, we would be looking, you know, for the HMS Eagle. That would be the ultimate goal. But uh, we would also want to know. What is the marine life growing on on the ship now? Has she become sort of an artificial reef adept, and is she, you know, so so there are other questions. Is 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 will climate change have an impact two kilometers down, or is it out of uh, out of range, so to speak, of of uh, future climate models? So there are other other benefits that can be had from uh, from a project like this. Wow, it's just fascinating, isn't it? it really, yeah, is incredible. Tantalizing, tantalizing. Yeah. yeah, I'd also like to know where Upholder is. <laughs> and, and I have a, 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 a an idea. Um, <laughs> the problem, <laughs> the problem is that uh, I think I need probably to live till I'm about at least 145 to to get all the the, the, the pipe dreams that I have. <laughs> but uh, one step, one step at a time. Uh, One time. Let's, let's let's do Ohio, then Eagle, yeah. then Upholder. Great. Okay. Ab- absolutely. It's a it's a deal. It's a deal. <laughs> well, well, Timmy, Timmy I mean, yeah. thank you, and 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 have a wonderful uh, feast day of Santa Maria. Yeah. Um, send our very best to the rest of Malta. Yeah. And um, you know, thank you for coming on the show again. Yeah, yeah. It's been fantastic uh, talking you. to you, Timmy. Oh, brilliant! It's been an absolute yeah. pleasure, and I will follow up by sending the images and whatever else you may need so that you can share with your with your audience. magic wonderful thank you very Please much do that. excellent well thanks thanks for listening everybody we'll see you all again soon bye bye cheerio